Jill Rutter is a former civil servant, is now senior research fellow at the UK in a changing Europe. Let's talk about uh, the, the, how the government is being administrated, I suppose, at the moment. Good morning, Jill. Uh, before we talk about uh, the Foreign Office, right, which I think is, is, a, is a really interesting case study of how the civil service um, was functioning and maybe where it wasn't functioning, um, what do you make of it as a former civil servant, the, the video, these officials uh, laughing, the way it's been leaked? Uh, what impact do you think that will have on, I suppose, officials working for the government and the government itself? Well, uh, I think the video itself is absolutely terrible for the government. I think it shows uh, exactly why they built the press room and then decided not to go ahead with the uh, press briefings because this rehearsal might be one of the reasons why they had second thoughts about what always seemed to many of us to be a stupid idea in the first place of doing these uh, on-camera briefings precisely because you get these sorts of questions. But I really do think number 10 have dug themselves into a terrible hole here. Assuming there was a party, and I think on the basis of that video, it looks pretty much as though there was a party. They would have done much better just to say, uh, as the Department for Education did in response to the Mirror story on Gavin Williamson's party, we had a gathering. Yeah. Uh, it was just officials who worked here. Nobody came in who didn't work in the building. Frankly, I was actually more relaxed about the party than I think 99.9% of people because number 10 is such an unhealthy place to work anyway. You all work together. It's like a rabbit warren. That's why they all went down with COVID in the first weeks of the pandemic, because it's almost impossible to work with any sort of degree of social distancing there. I have to say they would have done much better if a week ago they just said, uh, we got this thing organized. It was just people who worked in the building who see each other night and day anyway. We went ahead on reflection we shouldn't have done. And then they would have taken some immediate flack, but we will, probably wouldn't have still been discussing it um, a week on. And we wouldn't be spending the entire morning in number 10, working out how on earth we were going to front up at Prime Minister's questions today. Yeah, and cancelling, you know, cancelling Sajid Javid. Sajid Javid was supposed to be on this programme and other programmes talking about the booster campaign, how we're going to fight Omicron. What are we all going to do collectively to come together to stop getting kicked in the stomach again by this virus. And he's not doing that. Well, you can cancel Sanjay Javid one day. But if you start saying that while this story is still running, absolutely zero ministers are going to appear, then that really does start getting in the way of government business. And that's the real problem, is this is becoming a massive distraction. And it's a massive distraction because the Prime Minister seems to have this tactic that he will never admit, never apologise. Uh, it's not at all clear that the Prime Minister went. You sort of assume, having worked in Downing Street, that the Prime Minister must have known about it because normally staff don't give a party without, uh, at the very least, asking the Prime Minister permission to use what is not just an office, but also where he lives. So that's a bit weird. Um, there must be a sort of senior official there who said, yeah, it's OK, let's go ahead with this. I don't know who that is. Uh, we don't know whether the Cabinet Secretary Simon Case was aware of it, because if you were deciding to proceed, you can imagine if you've got this thing organised, uh, you would be saying, well, we've just announced this. Are we going to go on with this or not? Should we really be doing it? Someone quite senior must have made a call to go ahead, um, particularly when you've organised it, you've ordered the food, whatever. Uh, I mean, late night drinking in the private office, sort of informal gatherings later, Frankly, when you've had a sort of very, very long day, um, 
do sometimes kick open the ministerial drinks cabinet and sit around and have a drink and stuff like that with the people who are still still there. Because you do have to remember that in a slight defence of number 10, uh, they will have been working for the year under absolutely immense pressure altogether. So you can sort of see why they yeah, wanted... Yeah, and if they just said that, as you said... Yeah, up. but if, if that had been the, the, the defence, that's a defence, isn't it? And we've just had no defence at all other that, than That denial. would have been the defence I would have made last week, which was... Yeah. Uh, yeah, particularly, but I mean, it does require them to be able to stand up. No one outside came in specially and things like that. I mean, we, yeah, we, so maybe maybe they can't do that. Maybe that's why they haven't, because they did invite loads of friends and people from outside, and uh, maybe it was a much clearer violation yeah. uh, of uh, of the rules than well, even this looks. Well, Ginny's actually just taken to release the gate logs because that might answer that question, and maybe they don't want that question to be answered. Uh, we do should talk about though the the the, the other civil service issue, which was the, the, the managing of the withdrawal from a, a Afghanistan. Uh, the whistleblower yesterday, we talked quite a lot about it, but what he seemed to reveal in the Foreign Office was, uh, was chaos, a lack of computer systems working, and a lack of urgency from the very top, whether it be Dominic Raab or the head of the diplomatic service, to get a grip of those things. Were you surprised by what you heard? Um, I was surprised. I thought that, um, that the Foreign Office officials obviously didn't come out uh, that well from yesterday, um, particularly Philip Barton, the permanent secretary, um, you know, with his leave, that clearly put him in a very weak position because he couldn't be going down and checking that things were going well. Though, as he said, he uh, he put in place sort of arrangements as one normally does. I mean, there was a lot of questioning about how odd is it for uh, the top ranks of the civil service and all the key departments, the Home Office, the Defence Department and the FCDO to be away at the same time as their sectors of state. Actually, that's usually how you sort of, in some ways, that's how they organise August as a fairly narrow window when both ministers and top officials think it's relatively safe to get away. Maybe people should should review that. Um, but I think, I mean, their problems were, were manifold and I think possibly run rather deeper than some of these things. And we know that the... FCDO is quite a troubled department. Um, uh, one of the things that um, that the whistleblower, not just uh, Raphael Marshall, but the whistleblower of Inspector Newsnight last night was pointing out was it's, uh, it's a year, I think, since the merger with the uh, Department for International Development was announced. There are problem, big problems in integrating IT systems. I think it's fair to say it's a hugely demoralised department. Um, over the past year, it's taken real battering on that. They've been implementing the aid cut. Um, so I think, you know, and it was very clear that actually the schemes they were trying to administer were incredibly difficult to uh, to actually run. They seem to have added this third category of special cases quite at the last minute of uh, ministers. And that really seems to be the thing that completely overwhelmed them was that they were being absolutely inundated in a way that they don't seem to have forecast or had any system for dealing with, with large numbers of people pleading to be allowed on these evacuation flights. I mean, the really big problem in all of this was I don't think actually any conceivable crisis centre could have probably coped that well in those circumstances. I think the real problem in this looks like sort of failure to really plan in advance and the failure to foresee the speed of the fall of Kabul. That's yeah. after all why Philip seemed to think it was okay to go on holiday when he did. I think it's slightly bizarre not to 
uh, not when he saw the speed at which the Taliban was taking plans to immediately cancel. Which he kind of acknowledged to himself. Uh, it's, it's interesting stuff. And, and William Hague made that point about the, the merging of the two departments to us yesterday. Uh, Jill Russell, great to speak to you. Fascinating insight. There's a former civil servant uh, telling us about what it would be like inside Number 10 Downing Street and also inside the Foreign Office.